Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. Here we go. Recorded live. A-U-N, American Underground Network. The primary reason why the individual citizens of a country create a political structure is a subconscious wish or desire to perpetuate their own dependency relationship of childhood. Simply put, they want a human God to eliminate all risk from their life, pat them on the head, kiss their bruises, put a chicken on every dinner table, clothe their bodies, tuck them into bed at night, and tell them that everything will be all right when they wake up in the morning. This public demand is incredible, so the human God, the politician, meets incredibility with incredibility by promising the world and delivering nothing. So who is the bigger liar, the public or the Godfather? All revolutions have been led by young people. If you just think of the TV images of whether it's Tiananmen Square or whether it's the uh, revolts in Central America or Europe, it's the young people, it's the college people who are more principled and not locked in and they're not embedded with the government. They are the ones who are concerned about the future because the future is theirs. My research has shown at this point that the future laid out for us may be just about impossible to change. I do not agree with the means by which the powerful few have chosen for us to reach the end. I do not agree that the end is where we should end at all. But unless we can wake the people from their sleep, nothing short of civil war will stop the planned outcome. It's the National Collective Consciousness Show with Dee Dee Farrell in Portland, Oregon, Jim Condit Jr. in Cincinnati, Ohio, Steve Harris in Charlotte, North Carolina. Now, live from Evanston, Illinois, your host, Fred Smart. Hey, thanks, everyone. Um, we had a little bit of a mix-up last week, but uh, Ellen came on the call in the very beginning, and uh, it's been primarily, I hadn't heard from her uh, after a few emails. I, I determined that she was probably really busy, and I just wasn't looking at my emails last week. Uh, she can come on, but only for a little bit uh, this, this evening, but she'll give us a good taste of what she's up to in about the next 20, 25 minutes, and then we'll have an open forum on the call tonight, so I don't want to really give her too much uh, in the way of introduction other than to say she's always at the cutting edge of economic research, public policy research relating to the banking uh, fraud that's, that's globally trying to you know, enslave us and has successfully enslaved us all. But public banking as a concept, as a way to legitimately uh, bring the power of the issuance of money back to the people is what she's all about, and we're really happy to have her on, even if it's for a couple of uh, minutes tonight. Ellen, thank you so much for being so patient and coming back this week. I know you had a, you said you had a two-hour uh, interview tonight. That's why you can only be with us for, for a short period of time. But uh, Brexit uh, is, is come, it's gone, the world's still here. But behind Brexit, uh, you wrote an article a few weeks ago about this derivatives time bomb, and... I mean, I follow things like Zero Hedge and all kinds of sites, and uh, I, I would think, and you can probably elaborate, there is more underneath the surface that is worse than it was back in 2006-2007. Is that true? Uh, well, yes. That It seems to me that we're pretty much locked in, that the idea of Dodd-Frank was to eliminate too big to fail, but what they've actually done is institutionalize too big to fail. Nobody's, everybody's afraid to rock the boat for fear. We'll see the whatever, five, there's 500 trillion in derivatives riding on the 100 trillion in um, sovereign debt. That's the debt of countries. So uh-huh. they dare not let any countries go bankrupt because that would be an event of default which would 
force the banks, who are the counterparties to all those derivatives, to pay up, and they don't have the money. So it would be we'd be in the same place as when AIG went down in 2008. AIG was a big insurance company that had taken the other side of the bets on yeah. something very similar, credit default swaps. So that's what they're all afraid of. Um, what I'm writing on now is how we could actually get out of that. That it's true that the way things are set up right now, um, that is probably what would happen. But what we can do, should do, I think, is move into a public system. And there's actually talk. For example, the Bank of England is actually talking about that they could open up their window to everybody. In other words, we could all have an account at the central bank. And you can't. You're not going to lose your deposits if it's at the central bank because they have the unlimited power to create money, as we saw particularly when they coughed up $16 trillion to bail out the um, the banks. $16 trillion from where? Nobody knew they had $16 trillion. In fact, originally it was like a couple of trillion, and um, um, I forget who. Somebody said, where did that money, you know, in Congress, said, where did that money come from? We didn't know they that they had all that money, and it it just came from the the power of the central bank to create money. But in fact, of course, all banks create money in the same way. I mean, they they all create money, but they have to go through a lot of um, sleight of hand, and they're periodically caught out in their sleight of hand. But you could do the whole system, I think, basically on blockchain, um, rather like Bitcoin, where yeah, everything is totally transparent. There's only one party can hold the money at the same time. The, the thing is right now that they use collateral for derivatives and they use collateral for the repo market, which they're both in the shadow banking system, so they're not actually part of the conventional banking system. So even though we're, our deposits are protected by um, FDIC insurance, the shadow bank, which is half of the credit in the whole country, is not covered by FDIC insurance, and those are they're covered instead by collateral in this repo market where it's like overnight loans. It's pretty complicated. But anyway, that's the thing that they're afraid of going down. But that whole system is a, rather like fractional reserve banking. It's, it's all based on a fraud, the fraud that that you're actually lending and borrowing existing money. In fact, they use the same collateral for they rehypothecated it's called in other words they're using the same collateral for different deals and and so nobody knows who's got who's got it's like a shell game and nobody knows where the p is but if you do use blockchain which is a system of um well it's it's totally transparent where it's a block of uh, one transaction after another they're all linked together and you can look down the whole block and see what yeah. happens and you can see where the goods are. Anyway, if you did that and that's what they're talking about that I mean that that Bank of England person who was talking about that was that you would use blockchain in order to make everything transparent and let not just the big banks but the small banks, any banks use the central bank um central banks facilities, but you could also let individuals have their deposits there. And it seems to me you could even have loans there. Now that we know that all loans are created by banks on their books, they're created as deposits on their books. The Bank of England has admitted that too. I mean, it's something money reformers have said for decades, but now it's been acknowledged even by the Bank of England. So all money is just created on the books. It should be created on public books and without regard to borrowing from savers. They're not really borrowing from savers. It's a bit complicated. I, I can't express it. Talk no, no. Like, like in a mortgage today, uh, when I sign the promissory note at closing, there's only one signature at the bottom of that contract. And that bank that I signed, uh, I hand the paperwork over. They take that promissory note and they deposit that as a deposit in a depository demand account. That, that's correct, right? They use it as a negotiable instrument, yes, and that's why they don't they don't sign. They they leave it in blank because then they can use it several times over. I mean, those they never sign. They even never sign the promissory note. We sign it, but they don't. 
Mm-hmm. That's why they don't, because they yeah, can so then re- redeposit the it over and over. Oh my God, jeez. So now, you can clear all that up, but I mean, there is a way. Now that we have computers and we have blockchain, and there's a way to make that totally transparent. Things could only be one place at a time. Um, there are money reformers who want to limit lending to or borrowing only to. You've got a lender, you know. So, you, so the people who are lending know that they're lending. It's like like a, a fund that a loan fund. Yeah. Yeah, that's legitimate. Money. Yep. But you're gonna if you do it that way, you're gonna cut out half the credit in the country. So you're gonna have a big uh, recession, a re- big contraction of the money supply. So it Got seems it. to me that what you could do is have this global um, central bank sort of facility, but a public facility. It's all computerized. It's not you're not dependent on middlemen deciding whether you get your loan. You get it according to whether you fit the program and, uh, uh-huh. and that you're really just borrowing from yourself. In other words, you're just like you do when you go to the bank and you take out a mortgage. They're using your credit and they're turning yep. that credit into money. So you can uh-huh. be doing that without the middleman bank, the way that we now have blockchain and um, computerized networks of transactions. Ellen, uh, could you elaborate? I don't want to steer you off the top of what, what you. I know you don't have much time, but uh, I hear that there is a group of global banks, separate from the U.S. Uh, monetary uh, clearing systems here in North America, uh, that are using blockchain technology to get around uh, and and to get around the logjam of having to be forced fed into the U.S. Uh, clearing system using the U.S. dollar. Yeah, there, there are banks. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've seen the headlines. I didn't actually read the article, so I'm not sure I'm okay. very confident to, to respond. But, yes, it's, okay. they don't need the old payment system now that they, now that they have new online technology. So, like, the SWIFT clearing system is, is could be totally uh, anachronistic, uh, for example. Yeah, or at least at least there can be a competitor. As it is right okay. now, you're you're stuck with it. And so if yeah. you if you aren't allowed to use it as Russia wasn't as a form of penalty, yeah. then you have trouble trading with countries. Wow. Wow. Uh so so you have a hopeful message here, Ellen, but uh, who's leading the charge here? Is is the Bank of England? Are we are we are we at the at the mercy of the Bank of England, or what's going well, on? I think I think it's really the the open source blockchain that all those young people who are designing all this stuff. And as I was just reading a book about it called Blockchain Revolution, and yeah. they were saying, of course, businesses don't want everybody to know all their records. They want to keep that quiet. But if one yeah. company did it and said. Here's all our accounts. Anybody can look at it at any time and see exactly where we are. Where are you going to invest your money? Are you going to invest your money in that company or a different company that says we'll tell you once a month? That company could be. That company is would be the global company to back and support and follow and 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 put your cards with. Right. They'd set the standard, and everybody else would have to follow. So, so you've got forced honesty. Forced honesty, that's great. Yeah, well, that's what they've always been saying, that we need a change of attitude. You know, people have to become more honest or the system's not going to work. But you can't count on people to be honest. You need a system that is honest, where you can't really cheat on the system. And that sounds like it. With the new new, um, digital technology, that's possible. And another thing, it's possible to know exactly where real estate is, who owns it. You can see the whole chain, whereas right now it all got messed up in MERS and in a lot of places the the records are a shambles and nobody knows who owns what. Okay. Well, all, all that could be straightened out. And once you're in the blockchain, once you're in the chain, there's no way of changing it because it's a 
it's called a distributed network. So you've got all these computers all around the world are able to hook into it. And if you change one little piece of the formula, the code doesn't work. So yeah. you can't change it. It's it's there permanently. So only legitimate, up, only legitimate, upright, and confirmed honest transactions are allowed to be cleared. It has to be right, just, and confirmed uh, according to the blockchain record. Right. So it's called trustless in the sense that you don't need trust. Right now, the yeah. reason we need the banking system is they're the middleman. They're, we need... If you go to the grocer and write out an IOU, I mean, that really is what money is. All money is IOUs. Yeah. So if yeah. you go to the grocer and write an IOU, he won't take it because he doesn't, or at least my grocer won't because he doesn't know me personally. I'm yeah, yeah. Big in a big city. Um, but if you go to the bank and you show them who you are, they know where to find you, you put up collateral, they know what they can attach or garnish if you don't pay, they've got the whole legal system behind them to enforce the thing you've signed a contract. They will yeah. lend you money, or they, I mean, sorry, they will write into your account, into your deposit account, something that we call money. Really what they do is just write deposits into your account made up out of out nowhere. Of thin air. And that, yeah, yeah, and that's what the Bank of England just acknowledged. They said in yeah. their quarterly report, contrary to popular belief, banks do not, banks are not intermediaries. They do not take in money and lend it out again. They create deposits when they make loans, and 97% of the British money supply is created in that way, and ours is roughly equivalent. So that's where our money comes from, banks um, writing numbers into an account that then you can write a check on and your grocer thinks that those are dollars. You're writing the check in dollars. And so the bank's actually creating dollars. So we can, with blockchain, you can eliminate the middleman and you could still be doing that. In other words, monetizing your own IOUs, turning your own IOUs into money. And it would be on the same terms. You know, you could still charge interest to keep people from being too exuberant about how much they want to borrow. And uh, you could still, if they don't pay, you could still, they could still go to bankruptcy court or, you know, have to wait seven years before they can get another loan. And you could still have the amount that they're allowed to borrow contingent on their reputation, you know, their credit rating or whatever. Although credit ratings are also kind of old-fashioned. They're Nowadays, I and I saw in the same book that uh, your credit rating is based on just a few things. Like, let's say you bought a house 20 years ago, and maybe yep. you didn't pay on it. That's still on your credit, but you're a different person now 20 years later. Whereas PayPal can look at every single payment you've made on, say, eBay, and you know, so you've got a an, an current record of of your payments day after day after day which is much more accurate and much more up-to-date. And if you're a business, you get all those customer reviews, which are very – I mean, I love that on Amazon where you can go right in there and see what 500 people have said about it and get a definite sense of what the product is and whether it works and how reliable it is. So we have other ways of determining who is a reliable seller and who is a reliable borrower today, all because of this whole computer network. So uh, it sounds like you're 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 becoming very much uh, a believer in Bitcoin, or at least the blockchain technology. Yeah, it's not really about Bitcoin, but Bitcoin was where they came up with it in the first yeah. place. But and I think ideally, the thing about Bitcoin, you still have to buy it with your local currency. Yeah. And then it, you know, it, at the other end, if the person wants his money out, he also has to. I mean, he'll probably cash it out into his own currency and then spend yeah. the currency. But you could do that whole blockchain thing using the national currency. It, the treasury could do it, uh, or the central bank, or public banks. That would be what I would recommend, is a whole network of publicly owned banks serving the public. The, the profits go back to the public. And the main thing is that they... I mean, well, first of all, the, the, the profits are a big deal, but also then you have the public interest determining where this money goes, whereas right now big banks are able to direct it to their cronies, they, you know, basically to their shell organizations that are, and give themselves virtually zero interest 
and then they give us very high interest. So you could you could make that all very fair. Ellen, don't you think I and I know you don't have much time, but don't you think that because uh, Bitcoin has spawned a multitude of of, of digital uh, cryptocurrencies that are that are out there, uh, but as more and more of these are, are are trading, and as volume increases, not just with Bitcoin, but more and more of these alternative uh, cryptocurrencies, uh, institutions, small businesses, large will will begun will become to know and accept uh, this as a fungible uh, store of value. And mathematically, with only 21 million split Bitcoin that will ever be created out there, and I'm hearing here in Chicago and New York City that high-frequency trading houses are really rapidly gearing up to trade Bitcoin and are doing so right now on a daily basis. There's going to be more and more and more tradable volume going through these new new technologies. Uh, isn't it, if that starts and the stream begins to swell and flow, uh, isn't there a possibility that people will use fiat less and alternative value more like the blockchain uh, options that are out there? I, yes, but it it seems to me it's all one big system. I mean, whether you whether you call it Bitcoin, it's all a, a trade a yeah. exchange of value. You you don't even technically you don't even need to use money. They there are these um, barter systems out there where yep they, you can put like products and you've got like every sort of widget that you might use for a particular industry, and they've got websites where you can see what the value of those widgets are. And then you just trade them without even necessarily putting up money. You've got widgets, and somebody else has something else. And yeah, I mean that's that was where the original money system came from. It did not, as most people think, come from um, you know gold. Gold was not. It came out of barter. It came out of barter. Yeah, the original money system was actually in Sumeria, and they. They kept everything in ledgers, so it was like a distributed ledger, which is what blockchain is. But they didn't. Wow. They put. They didn't. They put it in units of each other. It wasn't in units of the monetary, of you know, of a currency. Wow! Wow! Because uh, uh, the the England's tally stick system uh, is almost like the physical equivalent of the blockchain, wouldn't you say? I mean, it's sort of a. I mean, there, there's there's very little. There's no wiggle room in a tally stick match between the left and right side of the tally stick. Right. Well, and I think that's the reason that banks are banks themselves have taken a great interest in blockchain. They too want to know. I mean, they don't necessarily want to open up their own books, but they want to know who they're dealing with. So mm-hmm. they don't want to be betting in a in a derivatives market either, where the counterparty might not be able to pay up, and that would bring the whole thing down. They want to know what the counterparty's got. So they're all quite interested in this way of streamlining their payment system and their, um, you know, figuring out who that who who they want to deal with. Right now, it takes a long time to to clear trades, and in between some party might go bankrupt and for that reason they have to put up collateral and um, have capital requirements and all these things that really slow up the system but in uh, blockchain it's instantaneous or nearly it's very you know very quick anyway and so you don't have to worry about the other party going bankrupt in the meantime and you should be able to see down the whole chain and see who the other party is that you're dealing with so you know that he's they're not insolvent and pretending to be solvent. Uh, Ellen, could you comment on the rising uh, tide of these loan origination systems that are that are just overwhelming the manual-based old uh, block brick-and-mortar bank uh, systems like Rocket Mortgage, for example, and you have these other uh, loan orig- LOS system platforms that are just taking over uh, you know, where they're eliminating the paperwork, everything is digital, and Quicken Loans, for example, has this rocket mortgage facility, and it's just going crazy right now. It's growing so much. Are they trying to eliminate uh, paper in the sense of actual signatures to cover up the fraud? What's behind that? Well, that's interesting, but I, I'm afraid I, I don't know. 
um, I'm interested to hear what you have to say about it. Well, I, I, I'm just speculating that, uh, I mean, our local Chase branch in our, in our, uh, town right here in Chicago just closed. It's a really nice branch. And I thought to myself, cause I, I, I talked to this guy who, who sells LOS systems to banks, uh, boutique banks all over the Midwest and all over the East. And he said, yeah, the brick and mortar banks are dying. Their mortgage lending operations uh, in physical office space and local branches cannot compete with Rocket Mortgage, cannot compete with these digital options because the, the millennials, the young people, do not want to sit down and talk to a loan officer at a bank. Maybe somebody my age in the 50s, 60s, 70s likes to go into a bank branch, but these young people do not. They like everything digital, everything paperless, and that's what these new systems cater to. But I thought to myself, maybe they're trying to eliminate signatures and paper for another reason, which is to cover up you know, the fact that the, the thing is rooted in fraud fundamentally anyway. Yeah, well, that's certainly a concern. But it seems to me the whole point of blockchain is to eliminate the possibility of fraud because it's all transparent. I mean, it's so it's probably not perfect yet. That That is the okay. goal, and supposedly that's the potential. Yeah, there's that the concern, too, like negative interest rate. I mean, there's a lot going on in Europe that looks like they're trying to eliminate paper currency or anything that you can store. It's all digital, and then somebody, whoever's got control of the digits, has control of your money. But if we eliminate the middlemen, we've, we're eliminating the banks. So... So we there aren't um, middlemen in control. In theory, we haven't gotten there yet, but but that would be the ideal. And it, if you've got if it's a distributed network, that means you've got um, computers all over the world that are able to peer in and see what's going on, so nobody can fiddle with it. Wow! Wow! Uh, what's the future of? Uh of the EU, Ellen, in terms of the banking influence? Well, I'd be inclined to think that the EU, either it'll break up or they'll have to change their system. Under the current system, it's not working. And the reason is that the countries do not have control over their own currencies. And they Mm -hmm. don't have control over their own central banks. So that's what went wrong with Greece. You had the people voting not to pay this debt. They thought it was odious debt. They didn't owe it. They wanted yeah. to renegotiate, and they can't pay the debt. You know, they don't have the money. Yeah. But, um, and they actually voted. So that was the democratic will, the, the will of the people, and the government overrode that. And the reason was that their central bank did not have the ability to provide that backstop credit that every all banks need because all banks are operating, all banks are really insolvent. They're all lending money they don't have, or they're all lending out their depositors' money, and if there's a run on the deposits, as there was on the Greek banks, because nobody uh-huh. trusted the banks, then they pull all the deposits out, then the banks are bankrupt. They're insolvent. But the way to stop that is the central bank then steps in, like our central bank did, and made those $16 trillion worth of almost interest-free loans and and saves the day. But because the Bank of Greece did not have the power to do that. Only the ECB had the power, and the ECB refused to do it unless Uh the country agreed to these austerity measures and agreed to pay the whole debt back. So that was that they had them over a barrel. It was a shotgun thing. And Italy and Spain and what other countries are are close to Greece's uh, condition right now? Well, Italy is supposedly the next um, domino suspected of falling. I mean, their banks are in quite bad shape. But also, um, Deutsche Bank is highly suspicious. They're very um, close to insolvency, and and they've they've got the biggest derivatives book I think in the world. So they're they're quite uh, it's quite risky. If that went down, that would take everything else down. Or so they say. I mean, you wonder about that. Is it is yeah. it true, or did they? Is that just a threat that that makes us all agree to prop up the banks, uh, no matter what? 
Is J.P. Morgan still t- very top-heavy with derivatives, Ellen? They are, but they've actually pulled back some. Um, Citibank is is actually ahead of J.P. Morgan now, and, and uh, Citibank is one of the banks that had to be bailed out in 2008. I mean, they, they did it already, got into all these credit default swaps that got them in trouble, and now yeah. they're doing it again. But then I, I have my suspicions about that, too. I, I read somewhere when oil shot up, no, sorry, when oil plummeted, yeah. um, that John Kerry had gone to, um, had negotiated with, um, anyway, uh, the, I'm sorry, I can't think of the country that, that, uh, that plummeted. Venezuela? It. Venezuela? No, 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 in the Middle East. Okay. Um, that had made had made oil drop precipitously because they were oh, flooding you Saudi Saudi Arabia Saudi Arabia okay was yeah. flooding the market with uh, oil and the, the, yeah. they did that on purpose to um, to break Iran to break Russia and maybe arguably to break um, the U.S. Uh, fracking business. Yeah, they did. Well, they did. They succeeded. I mean, yeah. So, so why did they do that? Because they were actually shooting themselves in the foot. So, what I read was that Citigroup is the government's bank, basically, and and so they said, uh, "Don't worry, we're going to bail you out. We'll, we'll, you can buy these derivatives, and Citigroup will be the counterparty on the other side, because nobody knows who the counterparty is, and so they'll pay up when you know when there's an event or default. They'll pay, they'll pay up." And we will actually get the money to them through the um, 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 the plunge protection team, or there's another word for it, I forget. But yeah. anyway, you know, they've got like forty trillion supposedly in the black black budget that nobody knows where it's. Do you think do you think Citigroup was front running the oil collapse, or given the okay to front run the oil collapse and then make money off of that? Well, I I think. I'm, I don't know, but this is what I read that um, yeah. that they were actually I mean, they were bailed out in 2008 on condition that they are now yeah. working for the government and they'll yeah. be working for whoever controls the government and they'll do whatever our foreign policy wants them to do. Wow! Well, then that would give them advanced information, inside information. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to trade these markets. Holy cow! Wow. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that. That may be rumor, but you you have to wonder what's. I mean, why would they get into more and more derivatives when they got into so much trouble? No, unless unless they were given the green light to be protected with inside information when you could trade professionally. They had to do it. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Ellen, your website, ellenbrown.com, is one of them, and then publicbankinginstitute.org. Do you have a minute to take a, a comment or a question from our list? Somebody yeah, on go our ahead. call? Okay, real quick. Anybody, star six your phone, a public uh, comment or question for Ellen Brown. Go ahead. Just star six your phone. Anybody? Hello? And. Steve, are they unmuted or uh, can you unmute them? I'm not sure. Testing. Anybody out there? Hey, Fred. Yeah. Hey, Al. Al, Al Jordan. Uh, Al, Alan, um, I, I see that you have a rudimentary understanding of the blockchain. Yeah, and, rudimentary uh, I, is a good word. <laughs> <laughs> and I've read, the, I've read the paper from the Bank of England. Um, uh-huh. the, the issue about the blockchain is the following. If you have a central bank, you have a central... You have a central um, repository, a central blockchain, which is a permission blockchain. With the blockchain that was described by Satoshi, who designed it in the first place, there is no permission. And all the computers that are working on the blockchain can be any place in the world. I mean, I can have my records on a Russian computer, on a Chinese computer, Venezuela, in my backyard. There's thousands and thousands of, of, hundreds of thousands of computers that are out there that are doing this. So, the, the allegation is, of course, that the blockchain is immutable and never be changed. But I know, because I've followed the, the, the area very closely, mm-hmm. there have been problems with it, um, that people have reversed 
can't just reverse transactions on the blockchain. And a, a more recent one now is something with a DAO that was done with a, a currency called Ethereum, written by Vitalik Buterin, who wrote a derivative currency off of um, Bitcoin called Ethereum. And it's caused some major perturbations around the world because of it. I understand, you know this better than I do, that the, the, the digital currencies are somewhere around $20, $20 billion in total around the world, yet they're causing major issues around the world um, because effectively the blockchain puts all the banks out of business, including the central banks. So if if Mark Carney goes ahead and, and um, decides to implement the blockchain for the Central Bank of England, he will lose control of whatever he thinks he's doing. That's fine. I mean, I, I applaud that. I mean, I'm, I'm happy to see it. It'll also um, um, uh, make all the banks that you have out there, the, the city cores and the rest, they will, they will disappear. There's no reason for them. Yeah, all the no, I, I agree. Well, yeah. You know. Um, and that's, that, would be, that would be one thing. And that would be a major change. And I have no problem with that. Um, Fred will tell you that I that I'm very deeply into it, into the into the into the Bitcoin Ethereum. Uh, I, I, I'm working with something called Goldcoin right now worldwide. Um, and but we but the thing of it is is that there should never be a challenge by the Bitcoin, Ethereum, the Goldcoin, etc. with the currencies because as you know, uh, the power base will shift radically immediately. I mean, it could ha- well, it's not going to happen tomorrow. It's not going to happen in a year. It's going to take four or five years, maybe 10, maybe 15 even, for the system to become completely driven by the blockchain. We're already seeing it happen with an organization called R3 in New York, and they are, they are using permission blockchains for all the major banks worldwide. And that's an interesting thing that's happening right now. Ultimately, however, you can link all those blockchains together, which would, become, which, which would instantly... Eliminate the, the, the share price of every single major bank at the private bank worldwide uh, overnight. And that would be very interesting to see. The same thing will happen with the insurance industry. Um, same kinds of things. Uh, you're creating a blockchain for running all the insurance contracts. I happen to be an ex-AIG or I worked in Manhattan for them for a number of years um, prior to their getting into insuring the, the derivatives. Um, and, but we did start looking at it, you know, in, in earnest while I was with, with them a long time ago. Um, and I can see what, what the blockchain will do to the insurance industry. It'll wipe out. Well, it'll make, it'll make Berkshire Hathaway and AIG worthless and all of the stock companies for the same reasons. No necessity to have a centralized service with shareholders. Um, so it's going to be an emotional change for people worldwide uh, as to how that all works. Maybe, it'll, maybe it will loosen up capital and people will have more capital around the world. The goal that I have is to bank the unbanked, to bank the underbanked, to extol the virtues of assets that people have that they don't even know that they have, and perhaps rebuild the banking system in such a way that there's no one person that can actually controls anything but that the currency that you were talking about is democratized and created publicly by the people. But I think it's going to be a very hard pill, pill for the central governments out there to swallow, especially the ones that we live under in the United States. So it's going to be a very interesting thing to see. Um, what I'd like to see happen more rapidly, but I don't think that's going to happen. You were talking about you know, Deutsche Bank going down. They have $70 trillion in derivatives. They just closed 200 branches. They're about they're a zombie bank. They're about to go down. Where I live in Potomac, Maryland, just outside of the city of Washington, they just closed Bank of America's central branch in our village. You know, uh, it's interesting. They're closing branches all over the place. Like Fred was talking about before, they, they're no longer needed. Mm-hmm. We're seeing a, a rapid uh, collapse of the banking system, and you'll see it in the insurance industry as well. What do you think of the solution to psychologically prepare the people out there of the world for this coming change? What do you think think might be done to make that happen? Well, 
and, and that's re- first of all, that's really interesting, and I, I'm actually writing on that now. I, I wonder, can I get your email? I'd, I'd love to. Uh, sure. Absolutely, uh, Al. Just share okay. your email. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'll give I'll give you my gold coin email address. It'll make it easier. Ellen, Ellen, I'll be sure to. Ellen, I will after this call. I will give Al. I'll give your Al's email to you along with his cell phone. Okay. Oh, great. Okay. All right. Because um, I'm just writing a paper for it's for the next system project, which is. I don't know if you know okay. them, but it's Gar Elperovitz's group, and they wanted me to write on 50 pages on um, eliminating too big to fail and 50 pages on how to set up a national public banking system. So, you know, it's a huge, huge project, and I don't want to be wrong. So you you definitely have, you know, you've obviously thought, you've got more insights than I do on on that particular thing. But what it seems to me that it's not going to happen all that fast, right? And people are happy to go digital. I mean, it's the banks and the insurance companies that are going to be rattled, not the people themselves, right? Well, of course. That's exactly right. But also, I mean, there's some strange things going on with digital currencies. They're performing more like security than they are that currency because mm-hmm. for, for whatever reason, uh, people are speculating. And just as they do with currencies all around the world, um, but the speculative nature of them, you've seen what happened to Bitcoin. It went from, you know, some one ten thousandth of a penny to at one point twelve hundred dollars per Bitcoin. Now it's settled back at around six hundred dollars per Bitcoin. Um because people are speculating it. Mm-hmm. Uh and you're gonna see that with lots and lots of currencies. What I'm waiting for is for the stabilization of the currency and use of the currency for things as opposed to the currency for itself, for raising funds, for, you know, uh, building houses and building businesses, et cetera, et cetera. That's where I want to see it go. But at the same time, I'm not above making some money at it either. Um, So I spent some time with the people uh, in Cyprus um, looking at the problem that they have there and spent 12 weeks working with it directly with some of the people that are are in the system there, watching what happened, what, three years ago, and did the bail-in and Still, 30% of people, you know, uh, deposits in their banks. Um, but it would be, I think it would be an interesting conversation for you, you and I to have, since you're writing the paper, maybe I can be helpful uh, with, with what you need to know. And then I may be able to send you to people that know more about the topic than I do. Um, and there's lots and lots of very knowledgeable people out there, very smart people, that I'm sure would be helpful to what you're doing if we come into an impasse over the conversation we'd be having. Mm-hmm. So oh, I look forward. Okay. Yeah, I, I look forward to having Fred give you the information, and you can contact me. I don't sleep anymore. Ellen, <laughs> <laughs> <Okay. laughs> I turned Al on to Bitcoin, and he's he's blown past my knowledge many many months ago. <laughs> well, this is great. I'm I'm glad I lingered, but I do have to get off. So. Okay. Ellen Brown, thank you so much, everyone. Follow Ellen Brown on the Internet, ellenbrown.com, Public Banking Institute. Uh, it's all there uh, in our newsletter. Ellen, thank you so much. I will send Al's information uh, after we get off this call later on tonight, okay? Uh, Thanks, thank Ellen. you so much. Okay. Appreciate it. Great time. We'll be in touch. God okay. bless everyone. Bye. Yeah, I'm staying on, guys. I'm staying on. This is. Uh, I can stay on until uh, the top of the hour a little bit later, and uh, let's just open forum this. Al, I'll send. Ellen, your information, your email address, and everything else. Thank you for chiming in. Appreciate it. Hey, Fred. You're, you're, you're yeah. welcome. Fred, is you're there anything else you could get Dave uh, from Chicago to queue up the uh, the thing with Hillary trashing Alex? Oh, yeah. Dave Dalk, are you still on the call, baby man? <laughs> I don't know. Ellen, if he's, if he's no, still I'm on the still, call. Uh, I'm still here. Um, oh. Could you add, could you also send her my information because I wanted to ask her a question now. Kind of ramble, oh. so I didn't get yeah, a chance. No, no, no. I'll, 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 I'll share it too, Dave. Don't, don't okay. worry. All right. Let me find the uh, YouTube video again here and put it back to refresh. Uh, one second. Yeah, Dave. Kind of give an intro to what what people are going to be hearing because a lot oh, of sure. Sure. Uh, yeah, Hillary Clinton today made comments about Mr. Trump and Alex Jones, and here is what she said. Dead in six months. It's also what happens when you listen to the radio host, Alex Jones. 
who claimed that 9-11 and the Oklahoma City bombings were inside jobs. He even said, and this really just is so disgusting, he even said the victims of the Sandy Hook massacre were child actors, and no one was actually killed there. I don't know what happens in somebody's mind or how dark their heart must be to say things like that. But Trump doesn't challenge these lies. He actually went on Jones's show and said, your reputation is amazing. I will not let you down. Hello? Is that it? Yeah. No, that's it. Cut yeah. off. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. All speech uh, somewhere, I'm sure, but that's just the clip that I have. Uh, uh, Dave, where was she appearing? How big was the group, or was it was this re-shown on national TV, mainstream media? My understanding is that this was the first press conference she had held in at least nine months. Uh, uh, most of the members of the national media were in the audience when she did this. Oh wow! So this had to ricochet back. Wow. Huh? Who is this guy, Alex Jones? <laughs> Man, I tell you, it's all over the internet, Fred. It's it's all you gotta do is Google it. So it's it's uh, it's all over the place. Yeah, I I read the article by by Paul Joseph or Joseph Paul Watson on Infowars. Uh, prior to come out on the call. So, but this is exactly what they're talking about. Huh. Boy, uh, yeah, I, I saw something Jim Fetzer shared online about this. Uh, and he said, this is great news. Uh, if she is actually coming out, trying to get ahead of these issues, uh, it, it appears to be very late in the game, obviously. And just think of what, I mean, when people start Googling these subjects, what they're going to find. I mean, it, it doesn't take a rocket science to know that there's, they're, they're missing gaps. They're do- the dots that have not been connected about what really happened on 9-11. I mean, so many people have had questions about it for, for the longest time. No I don't doubt. Know how, how, no doubt. How she thinks she can cover that whole thing up. I mean, and, and I have a lot of respect for what Jim Fetzer did and that Habib guy about Sandy Hook. I mean, They've done a ton of research, as well as other people, that I'm not qualified to really comment on. But there's a lot of questions about Sandy Hook and the Boston bombing, on and on and on and on, you know. So, wow. But for her to jump out and use Alex Jones' name and then, wow. Well, well, that's what's funny about it all, just to add one more comment, is, is, you know, frequently when a politician or a press is attacked... You know, they say the guy from Texas, or they say, you know, they they, yeah. they, they talk about it in third person. So to yeah. talk about it directly is a whole new uh, era. Yeah, that that's like a direct frontal attack, David. I wasn't expecting a direct frontal attack in his name, using his name. I mean, they never, ever mentioned Bob Schultz in anything related to the movement behind Ron Paul, for example. I mean, yes, they did have a Time Magazine article, and they did have references a little bit here or there. But uh, nobody ever came out and talked about Aaron Russo and Aaron Russo's film. Uh, they tried to make fun of it, the subject matter of Aaron's film. You know, guys like Michael Medved, for example, would never, ever debate or even mention uh, Aaron Russo. I mean, callers would call into Michael Memphis, for example, and mention Aaron Russo, but Michael would never acknowledge Aaron's existence. He would just belittle uh, the documentary and would never even comment on it. Yeah, that wow. one's really that one's really over the top, there, Fred. I I, I kind of my jaw dropped on that one too when you played that, Dave. I was like, damn, <laughs> that was that kind of dropped my jaw. Hey, Dave, where do you think, uh, okay, now that she's gone full force uh, and used his name, how do you think Donald Trump will respond to this in reference to what Hillary did? 
Well, my understanding from other stuff I looked at online was that Donald was rumored to be a, a guest on his show on Friday, and uh, I my understanding is that they did this to try to prevent him from doing that, uh, and that will be interesting to see what actually happens tomorrow on Friday. Wait a minute. Is there a feed, uh, a podcast feed of Donald Trump being interviewed by Alex Jones on Friday? Well, he's been on the show before. He was on the show last year once. Uh, oh, last... oh, oh, that's a long time ago, though. Right, right. But there's a rumor going around that he was going to be on the show this Friday, meaning tomorrow. Oh, this Friday. Oh, so she wanted to preempt that. And now it'll be interesting to see what happens. And knowing Trump... I, I wouldn't. I would not be at all surprised if he just went through with it and and, and exploded the media about it more. So I, I wow. Uh, it would you know, especially now that his campaign manager is a member of the Breitbart team, who is obviously very close to uh, the Infowars people. So I, I, wow. I would I would not be shocked if he did indeed showed up showed up and. Made made what 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 happened here even uh, you know he, he's, I I wouldn't be shocked if he just fanned the flames altogether. Well, he wouldn't just be fanning the flames; he'd be throwing gasoline on the fire. <laughs> <laughs> well, wow! Tomorrow morning at eleven a.m. Central. We'll find out. Man, this may I quote Andy? Yeah, who's that? Rebecca. Go ahead, sir. What Rebecca. Would you like to say? Oh, Rebecca, Rebecca, how are you? Hi. Thanks for coming I've been on, uncharacteristic. Go ahead. I, what do you I have to, to share? I, you were talking about blockchains, which doesn't, I'm being honest, doesn't inherently interest me, but I'll, I'll keep open. But anyway, okay. I was going to talk about some other things, but blockchain seemed to be the subject of the evening, so I listened. But anyway, what occurs to me hearing this is Gandhi's very uh, wise saying, first they ignore you, then they ridicule you, then they fight you, then you win. And I think it's a, I think it's a major victory that Hillary Clinton even felt compelled to say anything like this. Whether you agree with Alex Jones or whatever, the fact that he's, he's a catalyst to drawing that kind of fire because he's well-known in the 9-11 truth movement, I think is a, is a huge development. The fact she mentioned Sandy Hook is a huge development because obviously the truth movement is really rattling the cages of the establishment at this point, the fact that she even mentioned it, because to my knowledge, that's the first time any candidate at all, Obama, any of them, have ever mentioned this. So this is huge. This is huge. Yeah, you're right, Rebecca. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just dumbfounded. I'm startled that, that she would, uh, I mean, in, in one presentation, 9-11, Sandy Hook, and, and to mention Alex Jones, all in the same you know, one minute soundbite. My God, Oklahoma City bombing too. And what? Oklahoma City, yeah. And what she's, <laughs> and what she's attacking essentially is what I think is the most important gift of the 9/11 truth movement to the world is the meme of the false flag. Because if you begin to understand that, then you then you start to get an insight of what has been going on in history for many centuries, but particularly in the 20th century on. So this this is tremendous because she's she's unearthed an entire paradigm that needs to be explored by the the American people as a whole more than any other people I know of on the planet who many of whom are much more aware of it. Rebecca, here we are. Uh, it'll be 15 years since 9/11. Many many people have gone through the basic information the YouTube videos, the questions, yada, 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 and, and we're done marching, we're done this, we're done that, and, and it's just become a almost like a, a mature, reasoned, balanced uh, position of of uh, a resolute but, but calm understanding of the truth. We're not maniacal. The 9-11 movement uh, doesn't need to march anymore. It's, it's growing. It's increasing. Uh, and and it's, it's gone mainstream, don't you think? Much more, much more so, and and that's this is encouraging because 15 years later, I I think in this celebration of 9/11 and 15 is an obvious time to retrospect and have a bigger 
um, I don't know, honoring of it. I don't know if you want to say celebration, but you know, memorialization of it. I I really think we may we may see some data dumps. We may see some some really amazing things happening uh, around this. And the other good news is I think these other movements like like Ellen and those of us who work more broad spectrum, like in the financial truth movement, because I've got, as you know, with the Afghanistan and all that, I've gotten into this too. Uh, yeah. We're showing the, the, the bank-based international corporate crime syndicate that's behind 9-11 or behind all these other things. So 9-11 was like um, a fistula in the body politic that started to reveal these these interior uh, operations of the the dark operations, cancer, I would say, in the body politic to the point where the where so many people, I you know, it's still kind of glacial to me, but I have to say that I've seen a major shift in people's consciousness in the last I would say three or four years, where I could go into places and start talking or get into conversations with people, and they're no longer making the sign of the cross when I speak as if I'm a devil or something when I, when I mention this sort of thing. People are mm-hmm. waking up. So I, I really see that all, you know, this whole discussion this evening of the more enlightened possible ways of banking, which has, has been you know, one of the, the keys to our enslavement that are, that are being taken away, and the fact that with 9-11 helping from, from another angle, I just, I'm, I'm very positive in spite of the fact that, you know, I don't know about you all, but I've had some very, very weird interactions with interpersonal relationships and people suddenly going off and attacking and losing their temper and just, you know, on, yeah. on Facebook, people banning me over nothing and this kind of stuff. But I still think people are, it's part of the waking up process and purging a lot of this crap, you know, that is within ourselves and within human systems that has been buried for, for centuries. There's a, there's, a, there's a lot of spiritual power coming onto the planet right now. Wow. That's that's great. That's great. Rebecca, uh, you're down in Portland. You're 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 I'm sorry. You're not in Seattle anymore. You're Olympia. down in Olympia. Excuse me, Olympia. Yeah, that's right. I moved. Wow. Good good for you. Well, man. And that's been a good move. You continue to appreciate that move, right, Rebecca? Yes, I have been going into Seattle until recently, but then that's where I, I met a lot of these attacks I just mentioned. And for the moment, I told people in Seattle, I'm, you know, I let people know, the thousands of people know, until the attacks stop, and it's a long story, I won't be going in there until people's hearts change. I, you know, I'm, Jesus said, take, you know, if the village is hostile, take, shake, shake the dust off your shoes and, you know, go on to the yeah. village. So yeah. I'm, I'm just sort of taking a, a little bit of time off. You, you know, I'm lying low. You haven't heard, well, you've heard on the show both as a guest and, you know, speaker a number of times, but I've just laid low lately. But I wanted to let sure. you know I'm going to a, a, a seminar, and I'll, I'll if anything comes of it, I'll, I'll let you know, and, and we can talk about it later. Uh, at the Assetti, uh, you know, ranch. It's it's. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Dee's mentioned that place. Yeah. Yes, Dee. Wow. You know, no, she's been there a number of times, and uh, I'm going down there uh, for a sh- uh, conference with Winston Shrout, who's the well-known advocate using. At uh, contract law, which we're using to stop the smart meters in Seattle and, and doing some other things, and uh, and I'll, we're going to be talking about systemic uses of that law type of law, which has many exciting possibilities of stopping systemic abuses, as well as we're going to be talking of systems of governance and what's actually going to be happening on the planet with with, with the opening up that's, of humanity that's happening. So if there's anything that comes of that that's, that's consequential, will be over the Labor Day weekend. I'll, I'll definitely let let you all know about. It. There's some key people who are going to be there. Now, uh, Didi, I mean, Steve and Didi and everyone uh, behind the scenes next week. Please save the date. Come back and listen to a two-hour, two-plus-hour presentation. Steve, can you chime in about Pablo? What he's got for next week? Yeah, he's going to be talking about a a, a manifesto he has to uh, bring truth and light to uh, 9/11, which is. Couldn't be a, a, a better time after what Hillary did with the attack on Alex Jones. So yeah, he's uh, he's got documented uh, uh, a way to bring uh, uh, to light 9/11 and uh, in a very positive and, and peaceful way. So um, yeah, I sent you a copy of that. I forwarded it to you, Fred. So I hope you got that. Yep. He's going to be discussing that. So he will be live with us uh, next week, this time, uh, from Mexico City. So that should be very interesting. 
I didn't, I didn't catch it. Who was that? Pablo, fellow by the name of Pablo. He's been on with us before. He'll be on with us live from Mexico City. He's speaking in English. Oh, Pablo. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This guy goes all the way yeah. back to the civil rights movement in the sixties. He's he's been part of every march you could ever imagine, every movement you could ever imagine for the public good over the years, fighting the powers of faith. And he's been deep into nine eleven since the very beginning. He's completed a manifesto uh, about how to train and organize and grow uh, 9-11 truth in a very simple, direct, powerful way. He'd like to present it on our call next week uh, to all of us because we have the first honor, we have the honor of being the first audience to hear his manifesto presentation for 9-11 truth. Hey, Fred, I was going to also mention, you know, it might be a good time to uh... – circle back around with uh, Jim Fetzer, because I'm sure he'd have quite a bit to say after. I, I, I'm thinking <laughs> I'm thinking I, I should just bring Jim on to listen to this, if, if nothing else, because I, I can't imagine Jim and Pablo trying to share time. <laughs> but, oh, uh, I, I guarantee you he'd probably, uh, you know, if nothing else, Jim Fetzer. I mean, I, I don't want to piss off Pablo, and I don't want to. You know, uh, I don't want to invite Jim to not say anything because Jim is a very public vocal guy. But Jim yeah. has just completed his latest book on 9/11, and he's and he's he's really psyched about it. So it may be timely that we at least get Jim on for uh, an awareness, uh, you know, partial awareness exposure to Pablo's uh, idea. So well, I'll, probably, I'll try to work probably on that. A, probably a follow up to what uh, Hillary had to say about our shuns. That's what I was thinking because I'm sure. I'm sure. Well, maybe, maybe we could lead in the yeah. whole thing Pablo's presentation could be a short, snippeted lead-in with the Alex Schoen reference and, and Jim Fetzer making a blanket statement, and then we hand it off to Pablo. How about that? Absolutely. Yeah, because I know Jim would have a lot to say about the Sandy Hook and uh, Oklahoma City thing. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. We, we should actually give Jim the honor of, of doing that public cover uh, opening for Pablo's presentation, absolutely. Because I, I, I okay. agree, I agree with Rebecca. I think, uh, I think this time she really stuck her foot in her mouth because uh, there's too many, too many mainstream public that are aware of the lying that's been going on for quite some time. And I think Rebecca's, a, uh, you know, is exactly right. There's a lot of people that are waking up, and and I think she really went a little over and beyond what she would normally do. So that was very strange. I can't imagine Hillary Clinton uh, responding to a question from Alex Jones and surviving. I can't imagine that. If Alex was given that opportunity, he would destroy Hillary Clinton. So anyway, well, that's it, guys. I got to get going. Rebecca, thank you so much. Steve, I'll work on that for next week. Okay, guys. All right. In the meantime, I'm going to send. I'm behind the scenes. I'm going to send Ellen Brown's information to you, Al. David, separately, I'll send it to you. Uh, if you guys could help uh, provide some documentation, some feedback to help Ellen in in this uh, 50 to 100 page paper, or whatever it is. Uh, feel feel free. She gets her name out there. She's all over the internet with these issues, and uh, she could use our help. So, anybody else? A last comment or question? Feel free to stay on. I just have to skedaddle to get home, guys. Anybody else yeah. out there want to say something? Go ahead. Fred. Yeah. Fred. I yep. was just going to say I'll I'll get, talk to you offline. I won't. Unfortunately, I won't be able to actually, you know, be on the show to listen uh, next week because I'm going to be at a SETI and there's no internet access there. It's okay. Kind of remote. So, but anyway, I'll I'll catch the archive because it's probably going to be an excellent show. But there's something. It'll be a great show. We'll on. we'll have the archive as soon as the show's over. Steve will be sending that out, posting it on the, on the web. Okay. Wonderful. Okay. Thank hey, you. Thanks, everyone. Steve, Dini, Betty, anybody else on? Uh, the end of summer is here. The Labor Day is just around the corner. We'll have a great show next week. Hopefully, Jim Fetzer will chime in. We'll get Pablo on for that presentation. And, uh, yeah, we're right knocking on the door of the eve of the 15th anniversary. So 
there must be something in the number 15, guys. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Sounds good, Fred. Thanks, Steve. Thanks. See you guys next week. God bless everyone. All right. Take care. Good night. A-U-N, American Underground Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.